that can be found on the inside of the bulletin. This is Luke 7, 11 through 19. Excuse me, Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. I want you to take a second to imagine the worst thing that could happen to you. This is what I often do when I have time. I think of what's the worst thing that could happen to me. And we often think of the horrible ways, you know, that one could pass, uh, you know, and, and the, the things that we hope will never happen to us physically. But I want you to think for a while, and as I've meditated and pontificated on this thought, I've realized that the worst things that could happen to me are not the physical things. They're the relational things. I think back then under, uh, if you were a Jew in Nazi Germany, and someone came and knocked on your door at night and dragged you off, separated you from your family, your wife, your children, your community, took you to a place where you couldn't be with them. The greatest longings of your heart would probably not be for your physical safety. It would be for being reunited, reconnected with the ones that you love. I share this idea with you because I want us to try to get into the heads of these people, these uh, lepers. They're almost two-dimensional figures on a flannel graph sometimes as we look at them. There's the leper, if you will. He fits on the board. But these are real people with real problems. And we need to understand what it is that they have experienced as they come before Jesus. What it means to be healed. Because it's only then that we can truly understand the response and what Jesus is saying. It says in the scripture here that they had leprosy. And leprosy covered a, a host of different skin and infectious diseases. Uh, as uh, well as I think in modern day leprosy, I think it's called Hansen's disease. Certainly there was that. But there were other things. And we certainly did not have the dermatological skills of one John Hindman. Uh, to help us with this. Uh, John is in the congregation, a dermatologist, for you people who don't know. Just a little plug for the practice there, John. This is how it would start. You'd be living your life, and there would be some little rash or lesion or something that would be on your skin. It would be nothing in the beginning, but there it would be again the next day. Maybe it would grow you would try the various remedies, the various things, but despite your best efforts to get rid of it, 
and then your efforts to hide it, it would not stop. And the fear would begin. You know that Leviticus has over two chapters dealing with issues of leprosy. And they would know and the whispers would begin. Because the one who is leprous must be separated, must be cast out. Imagine never being able to hug your wife again. Imagine never being able to touch your children. Imagine being banished from the community, not even able to enter the city limits. Imagine not being able to walk into the sanctuary to worship God as you've done all of your life. And so the priest would be called and would examine the infectious disease. And if it did not get better, the pronouncement unclean would come. In essence, these people being cast out were like the walking dead. They were living, yet their hearts were dying. So I guess it makes sense why there would be ten of them that would come together when they heard about Jesus. These people who had no hope, who had no cure. Perhaps they had heard when John the Baptist had sent several emissaries from jail to ask, are you the one to come? Or should we expect someone else? And Jesus' response, the blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. And the good news is preached to the poor. It says that Jesus is walking between Galilee and uh, Samaria. And lo and behold, here comes this group. It doesn't mention their nationality in the beginning, does it? I'm not sure if it matters if you're a Samaritan leper or a Jewish leper. You're simply a leper at that stage in life. And we see that they speak at a distance, don't they? It would be at a distance because they wouldn't be allowed to come into the town. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They call him Master because he is their only hope. They've been mastered by leprosy. All have proven to not be able to master it. There is a cry of hope in their voice. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I find it very interesting that they ask for mercy. Why did they ask for grace, right? No, it's Jesus, have mercy on us, not forgiveness. Well, what is exactly mercy anyways? I think the best explanation of mercy is actually found in Luke. Verse uh, chapter 7, just a couple of chapters before. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? This normal guy who's walking down the road and is beset upon by robbers who beat him within an inch of his life. And there he stands, or lies, I should say, in the road unconscious. And we have the various religious figures who walk by on the other side so they're not defiled. But there is one who comes, the Good Samaritan, remember? Who picks him up, who puts him on his donkey, who takes him to the inn, bandages his uh, wounds, pouring on oil and wine, pays money, says, I'll give you more innkeeper if you take care of him when I come back. And Jesus asked the question, 
who is the one who is a neighbor to this man? And the people respond, the one who had mercy. And so what are these ten lepers actually crying out? Oh Jesus, be the good Samaritan to us. All walk on the other side of the road. None stop. Even if they do stop, there's nothing they can do. We need a good Samaritan. Be that to us. Their desire is for physical healing. Of course it is. And Jesus hears their cry. And He heals them. This is what is amazing about the Gospel. There is never a place in the Gospels where a person asks Jesus for mercy, where He does not show mercy for them. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. He was for them. And Jesus is the Good Samaritan for us. When we think of our spiritual condition, when we recognize and realize that we were the ones on the side of the road, beat up by sin, experiencing the price of our, or the wages of our sin, death, destruction, abandonment, religion walked by on the other side of the road. But was it not Jesus who stopped? Was it not Jesus who picked us up and put us on His shoulders? Was it not Jesus who healed and cleansed us with His blood? Was it not Jesus who cared for us when no one else would? Jesus is the good Samaritan for us. He is the one who shows mercy. And because of that, we can be like these lepers when we have nowhere else to go. When all have either turned away, we can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, have mercy on us. I remember as a second year student at the University of Virginia, I had gotten a disease. I didn't know it at the time. It was called mono. And while it was just in its incubation, I made the mistake of running a marathon without having trained for it. Oh, the foolishness of youth. My system was wrecked. And as I went to the medical center, uh, they gave me the cheap test, I guessed, uh, to figure out what was wrong with me. It was just a sinus infection, they said. Well, that was a problem because I never seemed to be able to get better. It got worse and worse and worse to the point that I could not even get out of bed. Who was there for me? My mother was thousands of miles away. Her name was Lee Ellen shining like the sun. She was just my girlfriend at the time. But she cared for me in a way that ultimately showed me that she would be the ideal mate for me. She had her own life to live. Her own problems to deal with. But there was something about her that just couldn't let me um, waste away in that bed. Where do you go for mercy? Maybe you've given up looking. I've gone to the places that the world says I should go for the pain that I'm experiencing. 
and yet it seems that they always turn a deaf ear to me, to my heart, to my situation, to my health. Jesus is the one who listens, the one who cares, and the one who pays. And so if you need mercy right now, in your time of need, Christ is the one. Even from a distance, He hears, and He sees, and He knows just what to do. This brings me to my second point. Jesus not only shows mercy, but the way in which He shows mercy. He gives these lepers a prescription. Go and show yourselves to the priests, He says. Jesus heals in such strange ways, doesn't He? It's almost arbitrary until we understand. Because was it not just a little while ago that he did a healing of a leper in which the leper came up to him and said, if you are willing, I can be clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he reached out and he touched him. But Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't say, come here. He says, go there. And I wonder as Jesus gives the prescription, go and show yourselves to the priests what the lepers were thinking. Oh Jesus, we've already been to the priests. Remember, it was the very priests who had already examined them. See, the priest functioned as a sort of health inspector. He was the one that made the final call. In each of these situations, whether a Samaritan or a Jew, their particular priest... They'd already sentenced. So I wonder if their question was, that's not going to do any good. What does it mean to be walking away from the one that they thought was going to heal them? You see, they had to walk by faith. They had to trust His Word. Jesus directly puts them in a situation where they have to believe. We experience this, don't we? Oh, Jesus, we cry out at the top of our lungs, help me. And Jesus still gives commands through his word that he's given us. And so we have to trust his word. You're a young person. You're in a relationship with someone, whether you're in college or in high school. Lord, help me in my physical relationship. Because I have these urges and desires and the world is saying this is okay. And Jesus gives His command in the Word. Trust me. Walk in my ways. Do I or do I not? Well, these ten did. And lo and behold, what does it say? And as they went, they were cleansed. Think about that. They turn to go to wherever it is. And as they're walking in faith, they start to experience within their bodies a change. It never even says that they made it to the priests before they were cleansed. It wasn't that they were pronounced cleansed. It was that Jesus cleansed them. Jesus healed them. What did it look like as they walked and they felt the sense of God's power in their life transforming them were some of them disfigured 
for some of them ruined and marred and scarred as this vagabond bunch walking away from Christ was being made whole and renewed. See, God has shown Himself merciful, but God also shows Himself powerful. It's not the fact that simply He died on the cross. It's also that He rose again three days later. doesn't say how long they walked, by the way, does it? Was it a minute? Was it an hour? Was it a day? We don't know. The story is telescoped, if you will. But you see, the story tells us one thing. That faith requires faith. Faith requires faith. Faith requires force. Perhaps you find yourself in the situation of a leper right now. Maybe it's not a question of life and death. But it's a question of life and despair. You feel that you're trapped and there's nowhere to go. I'm trapped in my marriage. I don't know how to get out of it. We're in a situation where we're stuck. The same problems, the same issues. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus gives us his word. Trust me. Do what I say. Walk in faithfulness. Will I obey or will I not? I feel trapped. I'm a mother. I have these small children at home. And all of my life is constantly solving problems. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I don't have any energy. I don't have any life. I don't have any friends. Unless, of course, you come to that particular event that's every Wednesday or Thursday here for young mothers. I'm just saying. But you feel lost. But Jesus says in his word, trust in me. Praise me. Worship me. I'll give you what you need. Maybe you feel trapped in your faults. It's my same condemning spirit. It's my same bitter heart. It's my same anxiety. Jesus says, trust me. Walk in obedience to my word. See, that's what Jesus is saying to these lepers and what he's saying to us. And as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. I don't know how far they walked, but I know they left with hope. And Jesus Christ promises the victory, whether to lead us through the shadow of death or while we are in the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And you prepare a banquet table in the midst of my enemies. My cup overflows. Well, the story is over. Or is it? No, we really get to the thrust of the story. The one who turned back. We see in verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. I think perhaps this was the reason that Jesus sent them away, right? He wanted to see who would come back. He couldn't see who would come back unless he sent them away. 
Well, this one came back, praising God, falling on his face at Jesus' feet, and giving him thanks. And the passage tells us that he was a Samaritan. Jesus answers or asks the question as if to no one. We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, why did this Samaritan come back when you think about it? I mean, you know that all of these people were happy and excited as they entered into their community. You know that all the rest of their days, they would tell the story of how they met this one called Jesus who told them to go and, be, and show themselves to the priests and they were cleansed. They would tell it to their children if they were to have any and their children's children. It would be a miracle and work of God. Yet they didn't come back. No, this Samaritan, something was different about important than his life. The giver was more important than the gift. And so his response was praise. To fall at his feet, which means to worship and give thanks to God. I think it was the Samaritan because maybe he more than all the others had acutely felt the pain of rejection. He was the half-breed, right? The half-Jew, the one who was insulted, who was not worthy to go to Jerusalem. He was not only the leper, but the Samaritan leper. It's a song I love by the singer Stephen Curtis Chapman that has this verse. There's no one more thankful to sit at the table than the one who remembers hunger's pain. And no heart loves greater than the one that is able to recall the time when all it knew was shame. It's the Samaritan that knew the pain of rejection. And it was the Samaritan that said, your life, Jesus, is more important than the life that's waiting for me. Because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so I come to you. Jesus' response is instrumental here, isn't it? The ESV, which I read from, says, Your faith has made you well. The others were healed, but they weren't saved because they desired mercy. But this Samaritan desired grace. Isn't it interesting that this story begins with ten who start far away from God and ends with nine who are far away from God. They never came back. They wanted mercy. That's often why we come to Jesus, isn't it? But only some stay when they get what they receive. That was what the Samaritan did. So my question for you is simply this. Why are you here? What is it that you desire? Is it mercy? Or is it grace? To be sure, Jesus is merciful. But even if you're cured of leprosy, you're still going to die. Even if you receive everything in the world that you could ask for. Without Jesus Christ, 
It's nothing. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? What you need is grace. What you were made for is not simply health, but for Him. And so if you came here, Jesus, fix my marriage. Jesus, fix my health. Jesus, fix my whatever. These are not bad prayers, but they so pale in comparison. Jesus, fix my heart. Give me love that will never end. Give me a relationship that is the one I most long for. Give me someone worthy of my worship. Give me someone worthy of my thanksgiving and praise. If you've never done that before, if your cry has been to God for mercy, turn to God. And if you're a Christian and you've somehow confused the gifts with the giver, return to God. Worship Him. Daily we get the opportunity, moment by moment, to sit at the feet of the risen Christ, to worship Him. You don't have to be a Samaritan in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. He is risen. And in the same way as the Samaritan did, in this place, in the quietness of our own home, we can come to Jesus Christ praising God with a loud voice, thanking Him for all that He's done for us, kneeling at His feet and worshiping Him. Better is one day in His courts than a thousand elsewhere. Is this the cry of your heart? If it's anything other than this, you're missing it. Don't settle for mercy when Christ wants to give you grace. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of human decision or husband's will, but of God. Christ came that we might have life and have it to the full. And he is the way and the truth and the life. So don't exchange the gift for the giver. Embrace the giver. Worship the Lord. And experience the joy of what it means to truly be human. That's my hope for you. My hope for myself. Let's pray. Lord, what a beautiful picture. You are the merciful God. We have no right to ask anything of you. And yet you long to show mercy and you're compassionate and kind, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Lord, but your greatest desire as we see from the cross is to heal our hearts. Not simply to give mercy to our bodies and our situations, but to bring grace into our life. Rebirth, renewal. Jesus, help us not to settle for miracles. When we can have you. And so we throw ourselves at your feet. Praising God. We worship you. For you are the only one worthy of our hearts, our lives. 
We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.